Welcome to episode 99 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, I am taking your questions from Instagram stories and answering them here on the podcast. We're talking about everything from collagen supplementation to PCOS to the sugar in fruit. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. Lots of questions here to answer for you from Instagram. Let's start with this one. How important is it to get your heart rate up when walking for fat loss? The answer is not very important. In fact, you don't even have to be going out for walks. Literally, guess getting up from your desk once an hour and pacing around your room for two minutes, around your office. That is a fantastic strategy to get your movement in, to get your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis up. That, that NEAT portion of your metabolism is so important. There's just so much room to increase it versus our exercise activity thermogenesis, right? So how much time during a week is a person actually going to spend in the gym working out versus how much time are they outside of the gym? We're outside of the gym most of the time, right? Even if you're a hardcore worker out or you're not in there for more than an hour a day, maybe somebody really extreme is two hours a day. Still, even with that, think of all the other hours in a day that are left. So getting in more movement is vital to increasing your total calories out. And this can just be nice, easy movement. So pacing while you're on the phone, pacing um, you know, in between cooking dinner just moving more. So when you're actually going outside for a walk, no, it is not um, a vital concern that you're really getting your heart rate up for these purposes. Great question. Question number two, how to track meals out at a restaurant or a party? For this question, I want you to consider this. How special of an occasion is this? Keeping in mind that if you make too many things a special occasion, you're not going to make progress. So you have to prioritize what is a true special occasion and what is just like, okay, I'm at a restaurant, but it's not going to be a special occasion. This is just where I'm getting my food tonight. Those are two very different things. So non-special occasion, how best to track your food. What I would suggest is one, how much control do you have over the selection of restaurants? If you can choose anything you want, pre-select um, restaurants that where you know you can find things that keep you in your calorie targets. Pre-choose your meals. Already have that exactly in mind. If that's not the case, if you're not getting to choose or you're at a party and you know, don't know what they're going to serve, that's a little bit different. So let's say you're going to a restaurant and you have not chosen the restaurant ahead of time, but you know ahead of time what the restaurant is going to be. Search their menu online and start looking. Easiest way to go is to remember going with one ingredient items is going to help. So things like salmon, steak, a chicken breast, right? Versus like some kind of um, concoction, some kind of, um, now I'm not even going to be able to think of a single food that's mixed up, (laughs) right? So you want to look for those single ingredient items versus, you know, um, like some kind of pasta dish with multiple different things going on. That's harder to track. So it's pretty easy to look up steak on your tracker. It's pretty straightforward to look up um, a certain kind of fish on your tracker. So look for these one ingredient items. 
That's what I would suggest there. Base your meal around a protein and vegetables, and then use nutritional compromises to decide what else do I want. Is this going to be a time when I literally go out to dinner and I just get the protein and the vegetables? Maybe that might be a good strategy for you sometimes. How often are you going out to eat? Um, is this going to be a time where I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my protein and my vegetable, but I'm also going to have a something else? You're going to have to decide what will that something else be. For sure, you could fit in a protein, a vegetable, and a potato, a protein, a vegetable, and a roll, a protein, a vegetable, and a glass of wine, a protein, a vegetable, and a small brownie. What you likely could not fit into your daily targets as easily um, on just a regular old day would be a protein, a vegetable, a potato, a roll, some cake, and a glass of wine. You see the difference there? So you use your nutritional compromises to decide what am I going to have today. Then it's great if you can choose a restaurant or be at a restaurant where you know it's in your tracker. If it's not, look for that item in your tracker and find something similar. So let's say you're getting a burger. If your burger is a big like pub style burger, choose that. Don't choose, you know, a burger from McDonald's because it's not going to be comparable in calories. So choose a similar type item and then look at the, because there's going to be a range of calories. People are going to put different things in. Choose the highest one because you want that buffer. You don't exactly know how big is this item, what exactly is in it, how much oil did they use. So you're going to pad those calories by choosing a higher calorie item. If you can do all of this ahead of time, if you know the restaurant ahead of time, great, start there. Put this in your log first, pre-log it, and then work through the rest of the day to figure out what do I need to do with the rest of my calories to still come in with my calories and protein uh, on target. Another good option, and this works really well um, for parties. You're going to go and you're going to have a bright line that you're going to have one plate of food. Okay, let's say it's a dinner party. You're going to have one plate of food. You're going to split that plate up in a manner like this. Half a plate of vegetables. Could be one vegetable, could be two vegetables. So let's say you get a quarter plate of salad and a quarter a plate of string beans or broccoli. There's your half a plate of vegetables. You're going to have a quarter a plate of protein whatever protein they're serving, okay? So if it's ribs, you put your ribs on there. If it's a burger, you put your burger on there. If it's whatever it is, you put that on there. And then you have another quarter of a plate left. Use that for whatever you would like. If you wanna have a burger with a bun, that's where your bun would go. Now, obviously you're gonna stack it and eat it. You're gonna eat it like a normal human being. You're not gonna eat it in stages like that. But thinking of building your plate in that way. So one plate, half a plate of vegetables, quarter plate of protein, quarter plate of something else. If you want to use that quarter a plate of something else for um, an alcoholic beverage, go for it. Instead of having that quarter a plate of something else, have an alcoholic beverage. That's also a really good strategy to use that kind of plate format. What I really want you to remember is hopefully these are sometimes kind of events. If you're having this come up every weekend, you're going to need a really solid strategy so that you stay within your calories. One of those things might be looking to how to set your life up so that not every fun event involves food. That's going to take some time and some effort and some cultivating of who you spend your time with. All right, moving on to the next question. How does PCOS affect my weight loss efforts? It affects it a great deal. At least it can. Now, I want to start off by saying I am not an expert in PCOS. I am not an expert in PCOS weight loss. I have worked with very few people with this condition. It is a very complex condition. There is definitely 
help out there for you. There is hope for you. You can lose weight with PCOS. People do it all the time. I'm going to give you a resource here. Martin McDonald from Martin Nutrition, Mac Nutrition University. You can follow him on Instagram at Martin Nutrition. He is somebody who has studied PCOS quite a bit in his training. Um, he presented an incredible talk on PCOS last fall. I bought it um, and have combed through that. So I'm going to first refer you to him. Some of the things that he does talk about is that PCOS does lower or can, let me say it can lower your BMR. Okay. So your BMR, that's the total, that's the calories you burn um, just to stay alive. And in people with PCOS, it might be lowered up to 40%, right? So that means your deficit calories are going to need to be lower. That's going to be the big difference for you your deficit is going to have to be steeper than for somebody, again, I should say may, may have to be steeper than for someone else. If you get into a deficit, you will lose weight. That is the important part to know. Um, you don't need to do things like cutting out food groups. Um, I want you to go give him a follow and look back right around November of last year, he was doing post after post after post on Instagram about PCOS, um, supplements to use, supplements to ignore, um, dietary interventions, what should you do, what do you not need to do. Um, let me read, I'll read this one part um, too from him. He's talking about like as far as the types of diets um, and what we've seen in the research is that greater weight loss occurs with MUFA-enriched diets. So that's monounsaturated fatty acids. So think about things like olive oil, avocado, and nuts. So that typically helps people who have PCOS to have greater weight loss. That's an important thing to note. Um, keto has not been shown to offer greater benefits and in his opinion could worsen things. So that's, that's interesting to note. Um, I want you to go ahead and look him up and give him a follow. Know that you can lose weight when you have PCOS. All right, next question, how to purchase a barbell and plates. First of all, super duper excited that you want to do that. Huge, huge fan of women doing barbell training, really getting to see how strong you are, building your strength, building your confidence. That I love it. I love that. So I bought my first barbell secondhand. I bought it on Craigslist. It's a great way to go. You can get a lot of bang for your buck that way. So look around. Look at yard sales, look at Craigslist, look at uh, Facebook Marketplace, look there. With our COVID environment, all kinds of um, gym equipment is harder to find. It used to be, gosh, before a year ago, it was easy to find stuff and it was fairly inexpensive. Um, there it has been some price gouging going on. I feel like these things are starting to settle down now. So I would look there first. If you do want to buy new, um, I can tell you that my barbell that I use now is a Texas Power Bar. I love it. I think it's a great barbell. Another good option, This I was kind of going back and forth when I bought mine. Did I want a Texas Power Bar or did I want the, uh, the Ohio, the Rogue Ohio Power Bar? Two really good options. There are such things as women's barbells. I'm not talking about like a pink barbell or something like that. Um, for, excuse me, for Olympic weightlifting, they have a women's bar. It is lighter, but the big, um, the big difference with it is that it is a smaller diameter. You are a person with smaller hands. I am a person with smaller hands. I actually don't lift with a women's barbell. Again, it's more used for Olympic weightlifting. So doing things like cleans um, and snatches um, and clean and jerks, you can get a women's bar. Most people that I know um, that I train just have a standard barbell. You can lift it 
just fine. And for me, training and powerlifting, we don't use women's bars in um, competition. And so I don't, I don't train with them. So um, let me know what you end up buying. I want to see a picture of you lifting this barbell. All right. Next up, it just says menopause fitness. Well, that's, that's a big subject. I did just release my course on this a few weeks ago. We are about through one month of this course. It goes for nine weeks. Really excited about the progress that the women are seeing and the experience that they're having. I will be releasing that course again in the fall. So sometime in September, I will be releasing that course again. If you're at all interested in menopause fitness, you should check that out. That is for you. Let's talk generally about menopause fitness. Now, you don't say specifically, are you talking about um, just being healthy? Are you talking about losing weight? What specifically are we getting after? So a couple things to keep in mind when we're talking about fitness in menopause. Number one, as we age, we lose muscle unless we're doing something to actively prevent that. The things we want to do to actively prevent that, eat a high protein diet, you know, and as we get older, we actually um, do not, um, I'm going to forget words here, ladies. Gosh, did you ever just have a word and it's like, I can see it and I'm not using the right word. I'm about to say metabolize and that's not the right word. Oh my goodness gracious. What is that sound? Does anybody else hear that sound? There was a really <laughs> crazy sound and I'm forgetting words. All right. We do not uh, process protein as well. We do, we do not. And so we actually need to even have more of it in our diet. So keep a nice high protein diet. That's one piece of the puzzle. The second piece of the puzzle is strength training, specifically looking to get stronger in your lifts from week to week. It's a very important piece of menopause fitness. Another important piece is recovery. We tend to struggle more with recovery in menopause and specifically just as we age. So as we are getting older, we struggle with recovery. So what do we do about that? We need to think about things like, how are we sleeping? I know that's a, that's a real kicker in menopause, right? Oh, get better sleep. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll make that happen. Really paying attention to your sleep. This is something I cover heavily in the course. There's an entire module on, on this in my course. So what do we do to help you get better sleep? How do we talk about your lifestyle? What do you need to talk to your, um, your medical team about? We want to help you get better sleep. We also need to make sure you're eating enough. You do not want to be cutting your calories drastically low. You don't want to be cutting your carbs drastically low um, in menopause. We want to be keeping carbs, fats, protein. You want to be eating all of those things. You need to eat enough to be able to recover. We want to look at your stress levels. We want to keep stress um, under control. Those are some really important factors about your recovery. So keep all of those things in mind. And then how much exercising are you doing? We want to make sure the amount you're doing, you can recover from. So those are some important pieces of menopause fitness to keep in mind. That's a huge step. There's lots we could talk about on that. Next question. Let's see here. I got a whole bunch of questions here. Let's not, okay, I'm scrolling, scrolling. I'm not finding my questions. Okay, here's one. This is an interesting one to me about dates. This person says, I crave dates every day and I don't eat any other forms of sugar. Is eating dates and banana just as bad as sugar, maple syrup, et cetera, or does fiber make it a better choice? One thing I would say is I would stop categorizing sugar as bad. Sugar isn't bad. You can have some sugar in your diet. It seems like you're really trying to keep sugar after you say, I don't eat any other forms of sugar. There's no need to keep all forms of sugar out of your diet. Next thing I would say is, what is your goal? So if you're just talking about, I want to live a healthy life, can dates be a part of that? Of course. 
dates can be a part of that. The way you're speaking about it, I crave dates every day. It makes me think, how many dates are you eating? Because here's the thing. If you're talking about having a weight loss goal or even a weight maintenance goal, we've got to think about total calories. So if you look up one date, a medjool date, there are 66 calories in one. Those are not that big. So one date, 66 calories, 1.6 grams of fiber. Okay, so you're eating a date, no problem. So if we look up maple syrup, 209 calories in a quarter a cup, that would mean you could have about three dates for the same total calories as a quarter cup of maple syrup. Now with that amount of dates, you are getting 4.8 grams of fiber. That's almost five grams of fiber. That's fantastic. The question is, are you keeping it to three or four dates in a day? Or are you eating a lot? When you say you're craving dates and the only sugar you eat, are you eating 10? 10 dates, that's 660 calories. That's like eating two and a half packs of Reese cups. Would you eat two and a half, maybe even more, two and three quarters cups of Reese cups, packs of Reese cups while you're trying to lose weight? Likely you wouldn't because you're going to struggle with total calories, keeping them in check. So the answer here is yes, you can have dates. No, they are not bad for you. You have to keep total calories in mind. Next up. I feel so stuck at a higher weight. It seems like no matter what I do, the scale won't budge. A lot of people struggling with this. Couple of questions to ask yourself here, okay? Number one, what is your plan? If your plan is just, I eat healthy, I eat clean, that's not a good plan. You need a very clear plan. You'll know if you have a clear plan, if at the end of the day, you can say, Yes, I followed it exactly or no, I did not. If it's very amorphous and you're not sure if you followed it or you're like, ah, I kind of did I kind of did well, that's not a good plan. Okay, you need a very precise plan that you can say, yes, I did it or no, it didn't. It could be calorie counting. It could be habit behavior type changes. It could be all different kinds of things, but you need a solid plan. So that's number one. Do you have a clear plan? If not, start with getting one. Number two, what level of consistency are you following your plan with? So assuming, yes, you have the plan, what is your level of consistency? Because there's often this ability to really feel like we're not making progress and we're doing everything. And what we see is we're actually 70% consistent, 75% consistent. And that feels very hard. It really feels like you're in it at that point, but you just don't have enough consistency to see really good results. And that that is that feeling of like, ugh, I feel so stuck. So we've got to get your consistency up to at least 80%. If you run the numbers on that, it's always very shocking for people. 28 days, okay, so that's four weeks. In 28 days, you cannot have more than five days that you're over your calories to be at 80% consistent. Only five days. How many weekend days are there? Okay, if you even just count Saturdays and Sundays, that's eight. So if you were over every weekend day, now you add Fridays in there. How many is that now? That's eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. That could be 12 days you're over. You can only be over five days and still hit 80%. So check those numbers out. How consistent are you being? And if you're like, nope, I'm hitting my calories. The next thing I want you to look at is how well are you doing at actually accurately tracking? Are you weighing your food? If you're not weighing your food, let's have you start there. How are you doing with licks, bites, and tastes? If you're nibbling throughout the day and not counting that stuff, it's a really good chance that that's throwing you. How are you doing with liquid calories, soda, juice, um, fancy coffee, so not straight up black coffee, but any kind of coffee with, with things in it. 
Um, how are you doing with alcohol? Look at all of those factors. Then consider nighttime eating. Are you doing really well during the day, but overeating at night? Consider um, emotional eating. Are you doing well most of the time, but having enough bouts of emotional eating where you're just shoving lots of calories in in an effort to manage your emotions? That could be a place to look. I would look at all of those places. And then another thing, are you sure you're not making progress? If the scale's not moving, but measurements are coming down, progress pictures are looking good, and your clothes are fitting better, you're making progress and not recognizing it. So don't just rely on the scale. And then the last thing I would say is what are your expectations for the scale? For many people, they're just way off. If you're losing two pounds in a month and saying I'm stuck, uh-uh, you're not stuck. You just have unrealistic expectations. So let's get your expectations in check. Anywhere between of half a pound per week to two pounds per week. Half a pound per week is two pounds in a month, ladies. Two pounds in a month is incredible progress. My guess is going through that checklist I just gave you, you're going to find the answer to why are you stuck? Why, why are you not seeing progress? Or maybe you are seeing progress. Next question. Let's see. Is this my last one? This might be our last one here. I do believe it is. No, I think I have two more. What is my input on collagen supplements? So whenever there's a question like this, I want to make it really clear. It has nothing to do about my input as far as like my opinion. It's not about my opinion. It's really like what does the science tell us about this question you're asking? And what we know about collagen supplements is there is some weak evidence that it has some benefit. Again, it's weak evidence for joints and um, hair, nails, skin, that kind of stuff. There is some weak evidence there. Maybe possibly it might help there. So if that's why you're doing it, okay. If that's how you want to spend your money and you know like maybe there's a chance this might help, but it might not, totally cool. If you're using it to supplement your protein, it's not a great way to go. It is an incomplete protein. I'm not saying it doesn't count. So if you, if you eat um, some collagen, if you use some collagen, you can still count that towards your total protein. Know that it is an incomplete protein source. And so what that means is you're going to want to get more protein from somewhere else and not have that be a main part of your protein. You know, there's other things that are incomplete protein sources like beans, for example. You just don't want to get all of your protein there. We want you to get most of your protein from complete protein sources that have all of the amino acids in them. So if you're using collagen as a main way to supplement protein, a better approach would be let's have you get your protein either from food or from food supplemented with a whey protein powder or a vegan protein powder of some kind, not a collagen protein. So there's the answer to that. I know I had one more question this morning. Oh, two more questions. I actually have two more questions. One, can I lose weight with reverse dieting? Yes, you can. How does this work? Well, I want you to think about just from a numbers perspective. I'm going to make up some numbers here. These numbers don't have to be exact for you. I just want you to see the pattern of how this would work. All right, so let's say you are dieting. You are in a deficit at 1,500 calories. You decide you're going to reverse. You're going to come up and find, figure out like, how high up can you go and still maintain your weight? Where is that going to be? And so you start inching your calories up a bit. Let's say eventually your maintenance calories top out at 2,000. Okay, just have easy numbers. As you're up, upping those a little bit at a time through your reverse, if your maintenance are at 2,000, when you go up to 1,600, 1,650, 1,700, you're upping your calories, you're reversing, you're still in a deficit. 
right? Because you're going to maintain that they're at 2000. And so that entire time as you're reversing, even though you were up in your calories, you're still in a calorie deficit. And so, yes, you will still be losing weight and still be seeing that scale go down. Now, frankly, you can, and it's called body recomposition, set your calories at maintenance. This works especially well for a person who is lean, looking to get leaner. So let's say you have a relatively high body fat percentage, but you're at a good weight. Like you're like, the scale looks fine, but I feel like I look soft. Like I don't look hard and toned and fit. That is a good strategy to take. Setting your calories at maintenance, working hard in the gym. You're going to see that the scale might stay right around the same, but you are going to look different. Your measurements are going to reduce. You're going to, your clothes are going to feel big and you're going to look more fit. The scale might not move. Okay, weight and fat, not the same thing. Next question. Are you, what is, are you, if you are quite a bit under your daily calories, like only at your BMR, should you make it up or just let it roll over? So I would ask, um, is this like a one-off? Like, is this like, you know, look, I'm going to get my second COVID shot on Saturday. There's a good chance I'm not going to feel well and I'm not going to hit anywhere near my calories for the day. Is that a problem? No, because it's just a one-off. If you're very regularly coming in at only your BMR calories, that's an issue. And I would ask you, why are you doing that? Let's get your calories up. There's no reason to be doing that at all. If, uh, again, so how often does it happen? If it's not happening very much, no problem. Um, you do not have to like make up for it the next day. If it's happening a lot, then yes, I do want you to figure out why. Why is that happening? All right, the last question, and I think I, I may have deleted it without taking a picture. It's already gone on my stories. I'm going to try and remember. It was something along the lines of, um, oh gosh, it wasn't Orange Theory. Was it maybe? It was boot camp. That's what it was. It was our boot camp classes, a bad idea. Um, because they raise my cortisol and are then inhibiting my results. That was the question. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. So a couple of things. It's important to remember that exercise is a stress on our bodies. It is. It is a form of stress on our bodies. The way we can make it be a good kind of stress and not a bad kind of stress is to making make sure that we are recovering properly. And I talked about this at the beginning when we talked about menopause and recovery. We want to make sure that the exercise you are doing is recoverable. So that means the intensity, the volume, the frequency. We want to make sure all of that is recoverable. We want to make sure that you're eating enough, okay? All of those kinds of things. We want to say, again, look at things like how your stress level is. If you are a person who's going to boot camp four or five times a week, and you're also, you know, prepping for a marathon, so you're running long distances, and um, you're in the middle of some kind of really challenging situation with your child, so your stress level's through the roof and you're not sleeping, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> All of that together is a terrible idea. If you're um, doing boot camp classes and you're keeping it moderate, maybe you're doing one a week, possibly two a week, you're eating enough food, you're not doing a ton of other really strenuous training, um, you're adding in some strength training. That's an important point. That is your boot camp cannot be your strength training. You're having maybe two other days that you are doing dedicated strength training. Um, your recovery is good. Your sleep is good. And you're seeing the results you want. Great. Go for it if that's what you enjoy. The big question I would ask is what is your goal with the boot camp? Because it sounded like the way she phrased this, and again, I'm sorry, I didn't have the question still in front of me, because the way she phrased it made it sound like she is not happy with the results that she's seeing, and she's looking for reasons, and she's worried that maybe it's her cortisol. 
far more likely is that you're using a tool that is inappropriate for the job that you would like done. If you are looking to look more fit and toned, bootcamp is not the way to go. Bootcamp is not going to be a situation where you're going to be able to employ progressive overload very well. Those classes are not set up for that. They're set up for let's burn a lot of calories, let's get out of breath, let's um, let's just really work hard. And what we want to see for you to be able to get that fit toned, like I have defined arms, I have defined legs and a nice defined um you know, butt and that kind of stuff. One, you got to look at what your diet is like, right? You might need to remove some fat, but as far as strictly from a workout perspective, what we want for you is dedicated strength training. We want you focusing on moving heavy weight and moving progressively heavier weight week to week. We want you to focus on moving through a full range of motion. We want you to focus on taking rest. Okay. And that's very much missing from these boot camp classes. We want you to do your set or your superset, and then take a dedicated rest. We're talking one minute, two minutes between your sets so that you can then push hard again. Pushing hard, I don't mean getting sweaty, getting out of breath, you know, leaving yourself in a pile of sweat at the end and feeling like you beat yourself up. What I mean is when you get to the end of a set, every set should feel like I could only do one, maybe two more reps, okay? It shouldn't feel like I could just keep going and going and going. That's what you're gonna need to do to build muscle. That's what we're trying to do. That's that look getting toned. What that means is I am building muscle and if needed, I am losing fat. So what I would say to you is what are you trying to achieve with this boot camp class? Is it the right tool for the job? Maybe, maybe not. All right. That's it for me here today on this episode of the Fitness Simplified podcast. Thanks so much. You can hit me up with questions for the podcast anytime. Thanks so much for being here and listening in to the Fitness Simplified podcast today. I hope you found it educational, motivational, inspirational, all the kinds of ational. <laughs> if you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would go ahead and leave a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. It really does help to get this podcast to other people. Thanks so much.